Oh, well, they're just a complete narcissist. We've heard that a lot recently, haven't we? Political figures, celebrities. But what might it mean? What does narcissistic abuse mean beyond that word? Could it be having an effect on you? Could it be squashing your self-belief? Well, welcome to this episode of Self-Belief Unsquashed with my guest, Amanda Craven, who is not only coming from the point of view of being a clinical hypnotherapist who helps people recover from emotional trauma, but she, as well as your host, myself, have very real personal experience of what it means to suffer narcissistic abuse, but also come through the other side. So stay tuned for some absolute gems of insight beyond that word and those big people egos out there. This could be something that really, really resonates with you. I'm Trisha Lewis, the host of Self-Belief Unsquashed. I wouldn't be doing this podcast if I hadn't been on my own unsquashing journey. So stay tuned if you want more joy, impact and growth, starting with some jolly good unsquashing. So welcome, Amanda. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm honoured. Oh, thank you. Well, this is a topic that I know, like I say to most of my guests, I could talk to you for hours on. We already had a chat prior to this and um, we listeners do have some things in common with our backstory. So um, I will try not to go off on too many tangents because there's a lot that I think is valuable to a wide variety of people listening, and they don't necessarily have had to have been exactly in the kind of stories we've been in to gain a lot yeah. from this. Yeah. So, Amanda, we are going to delve in a minute into emotional trauma and recovering from it and being able to go into life setting and smashing your goals, life and business. We're going to talk a bit specifically about narcissistic abuse and we're going to talk about what you do as a clinical hypnotherapist. But let's make it let's make it all about you to begin with. So share with <laughs> share with the listeners a nice uh, example of a squashing stroke unsquashing story. Yeah. So I was thinking about that as I was uh, uh, getting in the zone for our, our chat today. And it's something that actually came up when over the weekend or sort of Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I was doing a three day um, self-development program. And something that, that came up for me that kind of connected with more recent experiences where I have felt squashed and I have felt that it wasn't okay to to be me um, and where there was a fear of not being accepted for for who who I am who I was was um sort of a childhood story when I was at primary school my mum was a teacher at the same school um although she uh, she wasn't there when I was in the infant section she was an infant teacher and throughout primary school because she was a teacher any time that I got good grades which I was a good student so that that was you know uh, quite quite often 
all the other kids would always say it's because your mum's a teacher or if it was homework your mum's done that for you it's not fair and I found myself having to explain and justify myself and really feel that I didn't belong with these other people nobody else had a mum who was a teacher at, at the school so that kind of set me apart and and made me almost keep trying to to be accepted and trying to show them that I I was okay I was a good guy and I was one of them when they clearly didn't think that and that is something I've really experienced more recently in my second marriage in particular which I'm sure as, as we will go on to to talk about was a toxic marriage with a covert narcissist and throughout that marriage, I found myself not feeling free, not feeling emotionally safe to be me, to be myself. I felt that I, I did have to squash myself in order to fit the, the mold that this person wanted me to, to fill. And I found myself justifying uh, my actions, my choices, etc., et to feel accepted by this person, which was very, very similar to my experience in, in childhood, not wanting to be ostracized, uh, afraid of other people's judgments and uh, opinions. And since coming out of this marriage, I have really felt this freedom and this unsquashing, to use the, the term that you like to, to use, which I think is, is a brilliant term, very, uh, uh, very evocative. Um, I love images and, and metaphors. And now I am giving myself permission to be who I am and to to speak about what I believe in to to speak with passion to speak from the heart to speak on social media platforms and not to worry whether somebody's going to think oh, she doesn't know what she's talking about or she's not qualified enough or whatever other fears I used to have so yeah I really feel that I have been unsquashed in in the last few months I love that story. I love the way you've connected the school story uh, to something, you know, more mm. recently. It, and this is how it works to me. We There's quite a, um, a delightful journey of when you, when certain light bulbs have gone off and then you go mm. back and in hindsight, um, consider all sorts of things that at the time you were just washed over you and so and this is particularly the case with these sort of toxic relationships because often when you're in them you do not realize you're in them so I love Absolutely. that and that school story was it's not because it's not like anything it, it's lovely because it's not a, a horrific story about massive bullying or this awful mother who did these it's a very understandable situation and and that's mm. how it often is but it's these little bits of baggage and this is one of the things I wanted to ask you was in a way um that was a sort of vulnerability of yours to a certain extent because mm. without realizing it you'd sort of taken on this fear of judgment and not being good enough or it's you know I mean the 
yeah, I, I definitely I got given jobs more than once because of my father's position. And I remember thinking everybody thinks I'm only here because and to a certain extent they were they were actually right. Um, and the job didn't suit me. So that's another story. But it's a horrible mm. feeling. So I was going to ask, actually, if people say, why me? So if you find yourself either with a toxic narcissistic boss or husband wife relationship partner um whatever is there mm. you know is there this question that sort of at some point comes up why why me you know am I stupid how did I get into this situation mm. yeah yeah um yeah I, absolutely and I think that's a, a question that that comes quite far down the line actually because like you said a few moments ago we don't know for quite a long time that we are in a relationship with a, a narcissist a covert narcissist in particular because it's a real drip drip effect and that control that uh, emotional manipulation is actually very subtle but I do think it, it it's like um, many things in life like um, a disease or an infection they will find their way into your body when there is a weakness when you're particularly run down for example and I think that there are certain traits uh, in in somebody who is um, an ideal narcissistic supply, as uh, as we call it, and some of those traits can include being highly sensitive. And I am a, an HSP, a highly sensitive person. I was a very sensitive child. Often told that I was too sensitive and spoke too quietly and too softly. Now these are my superpowers as a hypnotherapist. It's essential to have a voice that is like mine in order to to be able to to work in this uh, in this area. So uh, a, a blessing, really, uh, finally. So sensitivity is uh, is one trait or set of traits that I think makes somebody um, a particularly good target, for want of a better word, and also experiences prior experiences of trauma and vulnerability are often in the mix so you quite often get somebody who was a victim of a narcissistic parent or sibling who then goes on to becoming uh, the spouse or partner or friend or employee of a, a narcissist in adult life so, yeah, that why me, there, there are reasons why you, if, if that is something that's happened to you. And in my case, as well as having these sensitivities and this sort of insecurity and lots of feelings of not being good enough and being grateful to, to people as I was in the past for, for paying me attention. Uh, when I got into each of the toxic marriages in the first instance my mum was uh, very seriously ill with cancer and during our engagement period actually died from uh, from that cancer 
so that I was in a very vulnerable state that wasn't a my my normal state of being an independent woman who used to zip across the world for her job at the time. And then when I met my second husband, I myself had just come through cancer uh, and had had surgery and radiotherapy when I first met him and was going through a very difficult divorce from my first husband. So I was really vulnerable because of those events, as well as the the, the stuff that had gone on in, in the past. So that is my why me. Uh, and that's how I've made sense of it. Yes, that that's brilliant. So the why me question that you've, you've covered that really well, vulnerabilities. And so I suppose because you and I have quite a lot of knowledge from personal stories and you with the work you do, we should go back to base camp and just outline briefly what people might possibly be feeling, having a sense of without realising it's got a name to it um, Mm. that might give them a clue that they are dealing with somebody who has... Well, you you take over. Yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. I think first and foremost, it's important to remind people to trust their gut instinct. It's there for a reason. We have neurons in our heart. We have neurons in our gut. Just the same sort of nerve cells and neurons that we have in our brain and they're there for a reason they're there to keep us safe and to to guide us as human beings we are very clever at overriding those gut feelings if it doesn't fit our narrative it doesn't fit our dream and that's what what I did but Fortunately, I had the 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 combination of the uh, the the training in psychology in hypnotherapy at the same time that this marriage was was going along. Uh, even so, I did still try to override it and just to try and get get back to to my dream. So that is normal, and I think it's really important for people to to give themselves a break and not to beat themselves up that it is normal to try and ignore the red flags but the sort of things that you you might be noticing and I recommend that people if they don't already keep a journal or just have a notebook and just note down some observations they don't have to do anything with it but just put the date and just note down your reactions, what has happened, what has been said, and and just start to keep a a bit of a a log. Because at at a later point, you will probably be able to join the dots and that will probably help you make sense of uh, of it. So things that you might start to, to notice could include the other person getting their their way in uh, in in things it might be big decisions like choosing a house or a car or it could be smaller decisions in uh, in terms of where you're where you're going to eat out or uh, if if you're going to get a takeaway meal what what that's going to be 
uh, you might find that they just seem to always get what they want um, and all, always seem to get the, the bigger portions or to, to be served best. And, and you might not be able to work out why you are uh, allowing them to do that, but you will be walking on eggshells. You will be doing things to keep the peace. So if you become aware that you are maybe stuffing down your opinions, your desires, or maybe you're starting to realize that actually you, you don't even know what your preferences are because they've been ironed out quite a long time ago in order to accommodate this, this person in your life. And whether it's somebody in the, the business arena or whether it's a, a partner in your uh, or a sibling or, or even a parent in your personal life, just spotting these uh, these little signs can start to give you a clue. But I think it's when we talk about walking on eggshells and just doing things to keep the peace, that is normally when you get somebody's eyes lighting up and you can see that, oh my goodness, yes, I, I've, I've been doing this. So I would say, I mean, there, there are lots of traits to look out for, but I don't know if you, you'd agree uh, from your experience, Tricia, but that that's a, a massive red flag, I believe. Yes, the the number of times I've used the eggshells word because that it just is a perfect description. Um, very quick example, and you and I, I suspect, have so many examples. And I love your idea about keeping a little note. Very, very. That's a good tip. So mm. I. Uh, Gosh, so for for instance, my first husband had had a business prior to meeting me even, and throughout the entire sort of seven or eight years I was with him, it haunted us because he had gone it it, it had gone bust, um, but he hadn't done it, he hadn't handled it well because of his pride and ego, and he'd set up another business. And what had happened was there was a load of people that uh, the business owed money to, and they were still chasing him. So on a regular basis, throughout our entire marriage, these letters from solicitors would appear. And and when when I say this, and this is the thing, listeners, it, you you mustn't feel stupid, as Amanda just said, because this is what we do. But those letters arrived in the post. He'd gone off to work. I was looking after a little tiny kiddiewinks, and I would hide them because I would only bring them out at a point where I thought it was he was in the best possible mood, mm. because otherwise, text him, yeah. Uh, otherwise, I knew I was in for hours of him taking it out on me because, funnily enough, whilst I had nothing to do with the business going under, nothing to do with the solicitors or the debtors, this, I don't know whether this is a common thing as well, that you find you become the butt of the person's anger because the way I thought it maybe worked, but you, you tell me what you think was because they're, ego was such that they didn't want to ruin their image in public so mm. they would sort of do it in private with you they would let out all yes. yeah <laughs> yes yeah I, I, absolutely I mean and that is a, a classic narcissistic trait is to uh, to want to be adored by 
other people or by the majority of, of people. Now, in a, a classic narcissist, um, it's quite obvious they, they just want to be uh, adored and they expect attention and they're very much out there. In a covert narcissist, it's a lot more subtle, but it's still there, that need for people to think that they are wonderful, uh, that they are kind and funny and clever and will do anything for anybody. It's, it's that public persona that they need to protect at all costs. And I remember uh, my ex uh, also ran his own, runs his own business. And I, at one point I helped out with the, the admin um, and on numerous occasions, I heard him telling customers that he hadn't got back to that his wife hadn't passed on the message <laughs> because he would have lost face if, if he had admitted that he'd forgotten to act on the message that was passed on to him. Um, and yeah, th this importance of being well thought of outside of the home, inside of the home, once the doors were closed, he clearly didn't care very much what, what I thought about him, what my children thought about him, but outside, there was this image to to maintain. So yes, a, a, a very uh, significant red flag also. You know, Amanda, I think the more we're talking, the more these stories are coming back to me and I'm thinking, <laughs> I need to write a book. I can't go on any longer. Mm. I have to write a book. And the, the interesting thing is you and I are both smiling and we're laughing um, and mm. we're able to do that because we have done a lot of work on ourselves and um yes. a huge amount of knowledge gained and journey um taken so that brings us on to uh th that recovery period so you know if, if you if you get to the point where you perhaps realize you 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 know you might not totally realize that this was narcissistic behavior which was almost out of a playbook but you know you've come mm. away from a toxic relationship you finally sort of broken free this could be years later to be honest yeah. when you're yes. in recovery yeah. phase yeah mm. so mm. so how do you how do you start that how do you get to a point where you even begin to start that recovery journey mm. Yeah, well, it is a long, windy road for for the majority of of people, and not least because of the the personality traits that we talked about a little while ago, that are are classic in in people who have fallen victim to uh, an, a narcissist and uh, have found themselves in a narcissistic relationship. So there are some statistics, and um, that suggest that somebody will attempt a minimum of seven times to leave a toxic or an abusive relationship or both before they actually finally leave it uh, leave it so if anybody listening or watching is going round in circles and getting to the point where they know in their heart of hearts that they have to get out but for some reason getting sucked back in because 
generally these relationships absolutely suck the life out of you they suck the confidence out of you um uh, again as i said earlier i was a very independent woman uh, very feisty um able to 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 manage on my own travel all, all over the the world but by the end of marriage number 2 i didn't even think that i could cope on my own anymore and didn't think I had it in me to to get uh, to get out there. So understanding that it is a normal part of things to to go around in circles to uh, to to almost get to the point where you're uh, you're going to leave or to leave and then to to return or to um, to sort of park that idea that that is okay to do and it does seem to be part of the process we have to we have to go through and for many of my clients it has taken decades for them to to have that light bulb moment and then to create an exit strategy or a moving forward strategy in some cases especially where there is still co-parenting going on if it's a personal relationship it's it's not possible to completely shut the door in in most of those cases so yeah it can it can take a long time um again don't beat yourself up about the fact that you are getting sucked back in or you are doubting your ability to to get out and to to have the strength to get out because they will be still manipulating and controlling you from from the sidelines sort of almost backstage uh and but you will get there eventually and as I suggested um, a few moments ago, keeping a log is going to be really useful to you because when you get to those moments where you think, oh, maybe it was me and that self-doubt is, uh, is, is very classic and is something that keeps us going back in because they, of course, they, they can be amazing people. They are usually very charismatic. And that's why we 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 fall for them, um, either as a partner or a, a boss. We can be sucked into um, a, a business partnership or into an organization because we are charmed into it. So it's not it's not bad 100 percent of the time. Otherwise, it would be very easy to to walk away. So. Keeping a log means that when we're having those moments of doubt and thinking, actually, well, they they've told me it's my fault and that it's because I'm X, Y, and Z that that this um, this business isn't working or this marriage isn't working. So maybe maybe it is me. Get your journal out, get your notebook out, and give yourself a reality check, and that that will definitely help. And that is is something that has uh, has helped me enormously because in spite of having the, uh, the 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 psychology background and the the therapy training when you're personally in that situation you sometimes really can't see what's going on you you quite often need a third party almost to uh, to to give you that reality check or help you get it now that's an interesting point um I've just realised, by the way, I'm going to have to ask you about for part two. 
listeners okay <laughs> listeners there will be a part two because there's so many layers to to unwrap here but i mean for, when you were talking about the how many that's an interesting statistic the how many times you mm-hmm. nearly i mean j- just as a tiny little share um my first husband i had tried i probably tried to leave about three times and then did leave went to live somewhere else for about nine months and he wrote one of those I've completely changed letters um and literally I'm not exaggerating listeners the day before the decree because we'd filed for divorce the day before the decree uh nice you know absolute the final final one came through absolute, yeah. I, mm. I phoned the solicitor up and we stopped it and I was back living with him so you know um and, wow. and that story doesn't end well unfortunately um but it, it's a long story we won't, won't go into it but yes absolutely and and you are listening to two highly <laughs> together intelligent fabulous females and I have met so many more of us Amanda who have Mm. very similar stories to tell and I think this is such a it's a crucial message and you rightly keep repeating it do not beat yourself up Um, and Mm. many of the traits that have got you into this situation are really positive traits in the right nurturing environment so just one other thing is you talk Mm. about third parties now there's a there's a really interesting thing here because of course you people can get sucked in by the narcissist and people who you thought should be helping you maybe a parent (laughs) yes Mm. I do speak from experience um and (laughs) they are in what is sort of known as this triangulation thing from the narcissist which is Mm. why I'm gonna have to get you back for part two uh to unwrap Mm. all that stuff but so those people, of course, that just brings you further and further down, because if you thought you were going nuts with this gaslighting mm. before, oh, my gosh, how much do you feel it if somebody else is now taking their side and makes yes. you feel as if it's your fault? That, that is like a nightmare. Anyway, mm. on the opposite side is finding the other kind of people who don't. It's not about a fight or anything like that, but who really believe in you would you say this is yeah. like a massively important part yeah yes yes 200 percent, a thousand percent and and this is uh it's music to my ears when i i hear a client first of all i don't hear anything they go quiet and then they say something along the lines of oh my god you believe me nobody's ever believed me before and it, it it it's that you can feel the relief. I've got goosebumps now just thinking of the, the last time uh, a client said that to me. And for them to know they are in a safe space where they are believed, totally believed. Because, yeah, what you were alluding to is really the the reach of the the narcissist, especially a covert narcissist. And I, I bang on about covert narcissism because it is so much more difficult to to spot and so insidious. Uh, and until recently, we haven't spoken about this. And that's why at the certainly at the beginning of my first marriage, 25 ish years ago, 
no idea what what this was you just think oh well this is what marriage is like pick yourself up and and just you know do your best sort of thing but the uh, the narcissist has the ability to to hoodwink most people they only reveal their true colors to an intimate few to uh to to you as their employee business partner spouse wh- whatever it might be in very intimate uh an intimate setting uh, and i don't just mean sort of sexually intimate I, you know i i mean when there is just the uh, perhaps just the the two of you because they have this persona to to keep up and they are very very manipulative very very good at doing things when other other people's eyes are on them so that other people do think that they are great people i wanted to say great guys because uh, again statistically about 75% of covert narcissists are male so there there are of course female covert narcissists but the majority are are male um the, yeah uh, and other people are completely sucked into their story and the the way that that this manipulation uh, takes place means that you often look like the the bad guy the awkward one <laughs> the problem Oh yes. Oh yes. Oh yes. Oh yes. Oh my gosh. The stories, the stories, the stories. Um, oh, too many. Right. So, so yeah. So, you know, finding that third, third party, a trusted person, it it can of course be a a therapist, but it can equally be a a friend, somebody you meet on a a support group, an online support group, um, for for example, but it does have to be somebody you trust and somebody who can look into your eyes and say, yeah, I get you. I believe you. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Uh Um, Because we're going to have to try and sort of slightly wrap this up um, because I've decided you're coming back again, uh, whether you like it or not. Um, (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. No problem. (laughs) I'm on a mission. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, brilliant. And so give me just a give the listeners just a little tiny glimpse, because we're going to this more um, of what you do as a clinical hypnotherapist that helps with this recovery. OK, so, yeah, w- without taking up too much time, hypnotherapy compared to other talking therapies goes beneath the surface when when we're we're talking when we are having this conversation when you are talking uh, to a a counselor for example it's all on the conscious level but as we've already alluded to the the seeds for creating the the traits within us and the the vulnerabilities quite often run deep in terms of time, uh, sort of back in, in, in the past and deep within us. And hypnotherapy being this uh, a therapy that taps into the subconscious mind enables us to, to go in and to, to heal the 
the hurts, the vulnerabilities, to make sense of things that we can't do by just talking about it. So as I say, with, without going into too much detail, having that relaxed state of mind and that ability to, to just be vulnerable and to see what is there without using our, our clever um, enlarged prefrontal cortex to override things, then we can achieve permanent healing, long-term healing, so that we can find ourselves and we can rise like the phoenix from the ashes. I don't I know if that, that answers your question. I was trying not to 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 get too convoluted. It's yeah, no, I I accept the fact that it was it's a very difficult thing to put in a nutshell, which is again why you're going to come back. But I I I think, and also when we talked about this before, you know, no, it's not about um, the stage shows. It's not about quacking like a duck and doing a funky chicken mm. dance and all the rest of it. It's just not that, folks. Although that can be incredibly entertaining and very clever, but no, it's it's yeah. it's safe. It's very very safe, and we we want our listeners to be able to find out more about this in a minute. I'm going to ask you how they can connect with you. But just to round off, I think we've already covered it. A practical myth and a, sorry, a practical myth. What is that? A practical, <laughs> t- <laughs> a practical tip and a myth buster. I think, I think I've picked up the tip. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I would suggest get that notebook out, get yourself a beautiful notebook and a pen with a big feathery thing on the end and, uh, and, keep your log of, yeah. of what's going on to to give yourself that reality check and also to yeah to to help you when you have moments of of weakness let's say in the future and think oh oh you know maybe I'm, I'm missing them maybe maybe we should give it another go just open that notebook and uh, <laughs> yeah you you will have that reality check so keep uh, keep notes and yeah busting the the myth and maybe we can go into this a, a little bit more in our next chat but yeah clinical hypnotherapy is uh, is very different to stage hypnosis and there is no control it is safe you will never be made to do anything that isn't in alignment with with who you are. You will be uh, signposted um, and uh, given suggestions where to explore, but you will feel totally comfortable with anything and everything that that happens in a session. So there's no no control and certainly no quacking like ducks. And that, that is the most common question I get. Prospective clients say, are you going to make me quack like a duck or, or play the trombone? No, <laughs> is the short answer. <laughs> Perfect. Absolutely perfect. Yeah, we will we will delve into that more. And of course, and I'll just add the other myth, which is a sort of self-inflicted myth, which is I must be flipping stupid and useless to have got myself into this situation. We have repeatedly during this podcast listened to it again, people busted mm-hmm. that self-inflicted myth. So yeah, yes. keep keep yeah. that in uh, mind. Uh, uh, yes, uh, absolutely. Yeah, totally agree. So Amanda, how can people make contact with you? So I guess the, the, the best way would be to, to go to my website. I'm saying the best way because it's also a very short and sweet um, uh, domain name. So notjustcoaching.com. 
not and, uh, not just coaching.com yes yeah, not yeah. just coaching.com yeah all one word um no dashes or hyphens not just coaching.com and people can also access free guides both on childhood trauma and uh, narcissistic trauma by uh, by going to to my website and contact me and find out about the the different way uh, ways I work and book a free 30 minute consultation if they want to explore whether we would be a good fit excellent and for those listeners who like making connections with fascinating um value giving individuals like yourself you're also on linkedin I am on LinkedIn. Yep. Again, just look for Amanda Craven. Um, uh, I'm also on Facebook um, under my name and on um, Instagram. It is at not just coaching. Perfect. We've got it covered. So lovely. I know I, I, I've gone slightly over time, folks, because I think you know why. This is this is a really important conversation to be having. And um and we will return to it. And thank you so, so much for all those insights, Amanda. Thank you for having me. It's been a delight. Okay. More about unsquashing, just head over to trishalewis.com. There are links to my book, my TEDx, and all sorts of fascinating articles. And can I just ask you to share this podcast? Because let's face it, I'm not the best self promoter. <laughs> Perhaps I ought to work on that. So subscribe, share, and listen up for the next episode. Stay curious and unsquashed. <laughs>